to an extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. Open your mind and let yourself go to a place where every day is Halloween and every night Jack Skellington I am the Pumpkin King! Dreams of something different. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This is What is this? Haven't you heard of peace on earth and goodwill toward men? Touchstone Pictures presents the enchanting story of two very special dreamers and the holiday spirit that brought them together. From the imagination of Tim Burton comes The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? No matter what, I always love that part. It's just so funny. But... Yes, that's right, guys. We're covering The Nightmare Before Christmas. I honestly can't fucking believe it took me this long. Um, Just, yeah, considering I literally have this one tattooed on my body, it's it's been a while. Yeah, you know, considering. You think I should have covered this one first. But anyways, looking past that, really excited because I think it's fitting. Right now we're all, you know, enjoying that nightmare before Christmas, which is the lovely shopping season. Um, To those of you that do Black Friday shopping, this is me clapping for you. I commend you. I honestly do because those videos look terrifying. Um, I mean, I'm from Canada, so our Black Friday shopping is pretty reasonable. And no, it's not a bunch of us just walking around apologizing to each other. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that we, you know, us Canadians, when it comes to a good deal, we can get, we can get violent. Just kidding. We're not, not like that, but you know what I mean? Anyways, let's dive right into it, guys. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, but honestly, bit of a misconception, actually directed by Henry, um, Selick, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but essentially, I mean, it's that misconception that most people do have, you know, I mean, the film is called Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, but we'll get into that. It's a little bit of a debate, but, um, you know, essentially it's the 1993 American stop motion animated musical dark fantasy and, uh, you know, basically was produced and conceived by Tim Burton, but then direct, directed by Henry um, and tells the story of Jack Skellington, the town uh, in the town of Halloween Town and who stumbles through a portal to Christmas Town and decides to celebrate the holiday with some da- Dastardly and comical consequences. Now, um, basically, I mean, this is the music was written and sung in some instances by Danny Elfman, um, and provided, you know, he would provide this singing voice, of course, for Jack. Um, and this, uh, our principal cast is Chris uh, Sin Saran. Sarandon, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, William Hickey, Ken Page, Paul Rubens, and Glenn Shaddix. We'll dive into that a little later. So this all came to basically Tim Burton um, when he wrote a poem. <laughs> it's literally what this is. It's a poem written in 1982, um, and it came to him watching, uh, you know, a store tear down from Halloween and set up for for Christmas. 
pardon me. Um, and essentially in that, this stewed in his brain and became the nightmare before Christmas. Um, and essentially, uh, you know, with working as an animator at Walt Disney um, and the success of his short form Vincent uh, the same year, he would, you know, kind of begin sort of working on this idea of a 30-minute television special, you know, kind of inspired by, uh, you know, the stuff we grew up on, the Rudolph, Frosty, those little classics. Um, and over the years, you know, he basically had no success. Um, and essentially he would regularly return to this project, you know, again, fail, no, no success. And it wasn't until essentially, um, 1990, he began working on a development deal with Walt Disney studios, um, and production would begin in July of 91 in San Francisco. Now Disney's going to release this through touchstone pictures because essentially they believed that the film itself would be too dark and too scary for children. Uh, kind of funny to me. Um, so the film was met of course with huge critical and financial success and grossing over 76 million during the initial run. It would be nominated for Academy Awards in Best Visual Effects um, and first for an animated film, uh, which was a first for an animated film. And uh, the film has been reissued by Walt Disney and reissued um, in uh, digital 3D format as well as, you know, Blu-ray, all of that. I mean, this is essentially a cult classic we're now dealing with. <clears throat> so... I'm just going to blow past the plot because if you don't know what this movie is and you first of all decided to listen to my podcast, thanks. I mean, I really, really do mean that, but you should probably go watch this movie. It blows my mind, the people that don't know it, and you're missing out. This this is such a cute, gorgeous love story, um, you know, amidst holiday tradition. That's really all I can say. Um, and this movie, you know, has meant so much to me ever since I was a wee lass. Um, and to the, uh, the woman that you hear today, I mean, this film literally means everything, but quick blow by, I guess if you really don't know, dealing with Jack Skellington, our pumpkin King, the leader of Halloween town, basically he's depressed. You know, he's stumbling through and he's just so upset with scaring people and so on that he falls into Christmas Town, which kind of reignites this passion in him. But of course, sadly, you can't combine Halloween and Christmas. The two don't work. So sadly, it kind of ruins Christmas and begins to realize that he has ruined Christmas and what Christmas meant and essentially comes back to save the day. Um, you know, in a very quick summary. And again, can't stress enough. Go see this movie. Um, so voice cast, <clears throat> like I said, Chris um, uh, Sarandon, the, I don't know why I have such difficulty with that. Um, the speaking voice, essentially, to Jack Skellington. Apparently terrible singing voice, um, but at the same time, hired on because Danny Elfman's singing voice, he sounds most like it when speaking. So I was finding really conflicting information there. Um, you know, so I was just kind of like, so what? You, you got, you wanted Elfman to sing, but you hired this guy, but this guy couldn't sing? I don't know. Anyways, my favorite, Sally love this woman, Catherine O'Hara. If you don't recognize her, get out. Stop listening to my podcast because 
my God, this woman is my hero. Uh, Canadian American actress. Um, essentially, you know, she's playing the rags, ragdoll creation of Finkelstein. Um, and essentially, uh, I mean, this is Beetlejuice. This is, uh, Frank and Weenie, Schitt's Creek, and of course, Home Alone. Um, and I forgot to mention Chris for Chris. Um, I didn't realize Child's Play and, uh, Fright Night to, um, well, 80s, 90s, quintessential horror films. Um, and of course, uh, looking at a couple other characters here, not covering the whole cast because I mean, these are a list of talented voice actors. If you are looking for a specific character of Halloween town and or Christmas town, look it up. I'm just going to cover the, the, basically the quick mains, um, and the ones that had a few other, uh, you know, films that, you know, we could relate to, or at least maybe have potentially seen because some of these, i never heard of. Um, so looking at Dr. Finkelstein, AKA the mad scientist, because that's how he's listed in the credits credits is evil scientist, not Dr. Finkelstein, which I find really strange. Um, this is Sally's father, you know, essentially created her. Sorry. So much talk of my own, give myself essentially dry throat, <laughs> but, uh, essentially, you know, this is from, uh, Christmas vacation. Um, and not really much else than that. Uh, so we have our mayor of Halloween Town, um, pretty cool character, and of course worked with both Catherine O'Hare, Burton um, was on Beetlejuice, uh, so just kind of a fun fact. Uh, Ken Page, Oogie Boogie, um, you know our villain, villainous boogeyman of Halloween Town. Um, he's essentially voice actor. All dogs go to heaven. Um, Santa Claus. Now didn't realize that he wanted this to be Vincent Price, but at the time Vincent Price's health was declining. His wife had passed. So it was, uh, looked at having Ed Ivory, uh, play the role. So, um, kind of second, the second choice, but didn't know that, you know, I mean, I will always have a deep love for Vincent Price, but, um, still what Santa Claus is, I'll certainly buy it. And, uh, of course, looking at my favorite little trio, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, uh, essentially, um, Shock is actually played by Catherine O'Hara, um, and, uh, Lock is played by Paul Rubens. I could not find Barrel, sadly, but I'm sure he's one of the many, many talented voice actors, uh, he or she. Um, so, um, essentially, these are a little trio, um, and uh, kind of evil, essentially doing whatever bidding comes their way. Uh, and for those of you that don't recognize the name Paul Rubens, looking at Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Batman Returns. So um, Tim Tim Burton always loved to use reoccurring cast members, uh, found it easier to work with. Hence why you see him working with Johnny Depp, folks. Um, it just, you know, he has a unique style. Therefore, I mean... Unique, it tends to attract unique people. So, um, and as I said, huge, huge cast, also including Patrick Stewart, who would uh, record the narration and prologue, or prologue and epilogue narration. So, um, you know, really cool. Now, looking at some of the development, because this is what really blew my mind. So, um, essentially, uh, Tim Burton's upbringing in Burbank, California, you know, he was always associated with a feeling of solitude um, and was always always had this fascination with holidays, um, you know, be it Christmas, Halloween, uh, it always gave some sort of texture that wasn't there before. Um, and Burton would later recall, um, 
you know, after completing a short film, uh, Vincent and being employed at Walt Disney, you know, about this poem and drawing in- inspiration from the Grinch that stole Christmas, Rudolph the Rindo wrote, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, you know, pulling for all of these, he would come up with the idea of a, uh, little feature, um, now, uh, with the narration, you know, he wanted that, of course, with Vincent Price. Um, he also considered other options um, as an idea for this. Sadly, um, what came, you know, base, none of these would come out, but essentially we would get our wonderful film today. Um, and coming up with some uh, concept art and storyboards in collaboration with Rick Hendricks, um, essentially started creating character models. So when he'd show these to Henry, Henry uh, Selleck, also a Disney, Disney animator at the time, um, essentially the both of them came together thinking, okay, we could really come up with either a really nice short film or a 30-minute holiday special. Um, and however, the projects, essentially the project's development essentially um, was stalled as it seemed too weird to the company. Um, Disney wasn't able to offer you know, these nocturnal loners, enough scope is how Burton basically would fire back to them. Um, and, uh, which is too bad because essentially he would then go on to do the success that was Beetlejuice and Batman and, you know, through the eighties. And that, I guess I should give you guys a timeline. I mean, this is 1984, give or take. Um, and he'd go back and forth at that time. And it's basically that we're now coming up to 1990 that, all of a sudden, we've got two successful films behind Burton's belt. So, um, you know, now all of a sudden, Disney's thinking, oh, you can actually make us some money. So over the years, Burton regularly thought about the project, um, and Disney s- still owned the film rights, sadly. So him and Selleck committed to produce a full-length film with uh, basically Selleck as director. Burton was busy. He was working on his own stuff at the time. He had Ed Wood in post-production, and he's working on Batman Returns. So apparently he was only on set for about eight to ten days. Not a whole lot of time when you think about it, especially considering his name is in the title. Um, and uh, essentially giving Henry Selleck a whole reign of, uh, of everything going forward. Now, Disney was looking forward to Nightmare to show the capabilities of the technology technical and storytelling achievements, um, you know, that Disney had basically been able to capture, you know, and essentially going forward from uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And essentially Walt Disney said that uh, the president at the time, David Hoberman, believed the film would prove to be a creative achievement for Disney's image, elaborating, we can think outside the envelope, we can do different and unusual things. So perhaps also at the same time, I mean, from 84 to 1990, there might have been some changes in management at Disney. So um, Disney marked, um, you know, Burton's third film in a row, uh, having a Christmas setting, oddly enough. And Burton could not uh, direct because of his commitment to other films, like I was saying. So um, in this painstakingly slow process of stop motion, um, and by painstakingly slow, guys, I mean slow. We're talking 24 frames per second. So every second of film you and I see on, our, you know, with our two eyes, took 24 movements of those little clay dolls, um, essentially to fill it in. So for one mil- minute of film is one week of filming. Uh, so essentially this all added up to about three years, which is fucking mind blowing when you think about it. Like, can you imagine going in and just a little doll? I just, 
cannot imagine. But I'm so happy that a hundred people did because this film, you know, means so much to so many of us, um, which I think is so cool. Um, you know, I just the idea that a little claymation doll um, of Sally can mean so much to someone of different decades and years. I mean, the film is now celebrating 25 years um, and essentially, I mean, you can look at people, uh, you know, my age being just about 30 um, all the way down to a wee, a, a two or three year old that can recognize the character and relate. It just kind of blows my mind. So um, getting back into it. So uh, as I was saying, <clears throat> pardon me. So, um, sadly, it looked like Danny Elfman and um, Tim Burton were kind of having some complications. Uh, I guess, um, basically, at the time, Elfman said it was one of his easiest jobs, but I couldn't really find what was going on with Burton. All I can say is that uh, Burton would uh, would go to find somebody else to uh, do the film for Ed, or the music for Ed Gein. Or Ed Keen. Wow. Serial Killer on the Brain. Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Probably dating back. Ed Wood was the previous film that I was saying. Not Ed Keen. Totally different. Totally different. <laughs> oh, it goes to show where my brain's been at. Um, God. <laughs> so um, Selick and his team of animators began uh, production in July of 1991 in San Francisco with a crew of 100, 120 workers utilizing 20 sound stages. Um and these were huge. I highly recommend looking at some of the post-production, just what they had to build and create and just what they made. If you're an artist in any way or appreciate art for what it is, it's so cool. I'm, I hope they didn't have to tear these down. Um, I mean, just building like the streets and cobblestones alone, I guess they would put more clay over top just to kind of give it this, you know, textured look and it would just appeal better on film um, and just really, really capture your eyes. So, um, you know, essentially, and you can see how they went through the stages of like drawing, creating, creating again, you know, to actual scale and then doing the final actual um, product. So um, Selleck described the production design um, akin to a pop-up book. In addition, he said, you know, when we reached Halloween Town, it was entirely German expressionism. When Jack enters Christmas Town, it's an outrageous Dr. Seuss-esque set piece. Um, and... I wish I had it in my notes here. There's a really neat look at Burton's, um, what he wanted for the colors when they entered these towns. I mean, Halloween Town was strictly black and orange. Those are only the two colors to be used. And you can see the variations of those colors used. So it's pretty, pretty neat. Um, now, uh, as I was saying, Walt Disney feature animation contributed with some um, of the second layering traditional animation, I guess, um, trying to film fill in but uh you know it like I can't summarize this um enough there's quite a the animators alone I don't know enough about this form of film to really sound confident and I you guys can probably pick up on that but um for those of you that do it is truly fascinating stuff and I highly recommend seeing behind this film because it's really neat how they had to do it I mean I think uh, there, I do have a note here saying that you know there was over 227 puppets uh, to represent the characters in the movie, um, and Jack, I mean, alone had over 400 heads, so they could capture every possible emotion for Jack. So um, pretty neat. 
Now, the soundtrack will always hold a special place in my heart. I mean, this film, we all know the words to it. This is Halloween. I think we were all humming it through October. Um, And, you know, what's this? I believe, I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely humming it as I set up my Christmas decorations Um, and uh, begin the chaos that is Christmas. So the film soundtrack, like I said, released 1993 with the film, um, and the film, uh, you know, being re-released, of course, the uh, soundtrack would be. And there is a bonus um, with Follow Boy, Panic at the Disco, Marilyn Manson, Fiona Apple, She Wants Revenge, all covering different uh, uh, tracks of Elfman, <clears throat> and definitely worth worth uh, hearing, as well as um, A Nightmare Revisited. I mean, you're looking at Amy Lee, Flyleaf, Corn, Rise Against, Plain White Tees, The American Rejects, and many more covering these um, these songs. And you can see rep- um, repetition here, um, different artists recovering Sally's song, you know, Making Christmas. Uh, so you can see the influence going back. Um, this film hit home for a lot of people and it was just supposed to be an innocent little Christmas film you know nothing more but it's 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 just written into our blood at this point so um essentially like I said they decided to release the film under touchstone pictures because they thought it would be too too dark and scary for kids and their biggest fear would you know is essentially not only scaring kids um and essentially this was as stepchild project and they were afraid that their core audience hating the film and not coming coming so um essentially burton's involvement trying to attract a wider audience is disney started marketing as tim burton's the nightmare before christmas he'd just come off some pretty big films so burton explained that um, it turned it to be more into a brand naming thing than anything else and even he's not quite sure about it um, but essentially the film premiered in New York, October 9th, and a limited release October 15th, 1993, before a wide theatrical release October 22nd. Um, and uh, like I said, reissued several times at this point. I mean, we're looking at 3D, we're looking at, um, you know, collector's edition copies and so forth. Uh, I mean, I definitely have mine. Um, so marketing, like I said, we've got Tim Burton's name on it. I mean, you've got so many so many products it's i i can't even i can't even begin to name it off not to mention rides theme park attractions um christmas decorations you fucking name it you put jack and sally on it you can sell it um like i said I went out to get this tattooed on me because this film meant so much. Um, You can pretty much sell anything with these guys on it. And Disney learned that very quick. Uh, Well, shortly after. And to this date, they still know that. Hence why their faces are everywhere everywhere right now for the 25 years. But, um, which I have no problem about. You do your thing, Disney. Uh, But uh, essentially, um, you know, kind of neat though with Tim having to put his name on it just so they could market it at the time uh and um essentially at the box office um they you know they wanted it to go out and do great and it did exactly that the budget was less than any disney blockbuster so it doesn't have to earn aladdin size grosses to satisfy them um but essentially it did earn 50 million in the u.s on a theatrical run um and regarded as a moderate sleeper hit if you you know box office lingo so basically it wasn't huge, but wasn't overly bad either. So guys, if you're looking for a sequel, 
toss it out the window. It's not happening. Um, 2001, Disney began to consider an idea of one um, and wanted to use computer animation. animation and Disney, uh, Burton quickly convinced Disney to drop the idea, thinking, I was uh, saying, I always very productive of Nightmare, not do sequels and that kind of thing. Um, you know, Jack visits Thanksgiving roll or other things of things just because I felt the movie had a purity to it and people like that because it's a mass market kind of thing. It's important to keep that, keep that purity. Um, and of course there's the video game, you know, that kind of thing that you can see if you want to look for a second or sequel. Um, but essentially you will not see a sequel to this film. Burton has made it clear. So make it so. Um, and I mean, to this day, you're going to see this film everywhere. I mean, it is everywhere. You can't go into a hot topic without seeing Jack and Sally's face, uh, you know, basically plastered on everything. Um, and uh, like I said, guys, really, really quintessential film for me personally. This is my Christmas tradition. I don't know about you guys. Um, and just wanted to quickly share some fun facts just before um, essentially I let you guys go for another another little while. Um, but essentially, um, you know, didn't realize that Zero's Nose is actually a tiny glowing Jack O'Lantern. Um, Patrick Stewart, of course, as you guys know, he did the, the opening. If you didn't know that, um, kind of sad but I guess for some you don't recognize that voice you might think it's uh Gandalf you know uh, Sir Ian McKellen um and uh, I guess didn't know but it's kind of cool Oogie Boogie was originally supposed to be Dr. Frankenstein in disguise um but essentially Burton was so infuriated with this idea it's noted that he literally kicked a hole in a wall which I I don't know if he would have he's pretty sweet guy so I don't know if he would have done that maybe um and uh you know little things uh, I guess uh, tender lumplings everywhere and this is Halloween is a uh, relation to the song tender lumplings done by Danny Elfman when he's part of the band Ungo Boingo uh, I don't know if anyone listens to that band but they're pretty pretty groovy <laughs> um and uh yeah essentially that's it that's all guys so thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of me ranting and raving um i hope you enjoyed it uh, uh as always you know this film like i was saying and i've said several times over it's it means a lot to several different people and i think it's one of those films that if you saw it you know it will always hold a spot in your heart um for those of you that haven't seen it go see it now um and if you know anyone that hasn't seen it make them see it tie them down open their eyes with tape i don't care make them watch it um but uh, yeah anyways guys i hope all of you are surviving the christmas chaos that uh is upon us i wish all of you the best as we plan for the christmas uh holidays to come and essentially uh you know there will be a few more episodes just uh before the season wraps which i can't believe we're done another year um but uh, as always guys thank you so much for listening always reach out to me on social media uh you know where to find me and of course guys keep calm stay creepy